Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm the Emerald Butte, Jesse Thorne. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Yeah, that's right, Jordan. It's fucking Pluot season is back, baby. I got a, I got a bowl full of Emerald Buttes down in the kitchen. You wouldn't believe these gorgeous green hybrids are going into my mouth for munching every single fucking day. So, uh, so the Pluot, a combination of a fucking a combination of victory and hot fire. <laughs> wow. So yeah. it has a pit then. And so it has a pit. It does have a pit. Yes. Okay, you know, okay. It's, it's a half, half plum, half apricot or apricot, depending on your preference. So you just, are you just munching them by hand? Are you slicing them up? Are you putting them on yogurt? Are oh, you- That's a great question, Jordan. I'm, inserting them rectally? I'm glad you asked that. Well, first of all, I would never insert them rectally without extensive carving because you know, as every Jordan Jesse Go right. listener knows, without a base, without a trace- However, I will say this. I'm a fruit carver all day and all night. I'll slice fruit until the cows come home. And the reason is that I have three small children. None of them will eat anything other than sliced fruit. No foods. No other foods. They're mixed on pizza. Mixed on pizza? Mixed on kids these days. Do I need to get my friend Michelangelo down there to talk to them? (laughs) Because I can, I can text Michelangelo right now, and he can come over and give your kids a talking to re pizza, comma pleasures of. Yeah, no, I slice, I slice all my fruits, and I'll tell you this, Jordan. Mm. A lot of folks who listen to Jordan Jesse go know about my passion for fresh fruits and vegetables, particularly fruits. And I had an incredible melon this week as well. Mm. And I, I worry sometimes, Jordan, that this show. That I'm bragging too much on this show, but a nice ripe lemon drop melon has the sweetness and texture of a honeydew with a lemony chaser. Mm, little citrus on the back end. Gorgeous. Just a gorgeous. Sometimes uh, when it's my birthday, my wife gives me a little citrus on the back end. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I got a lemon <laughs> drop this year myself. I'm currently not married. <laughs> Oh, I guess I had a, I had a nice fruit experience today. I went to the old Studio City Farmer's Market, great farmer's market there. And it was one of those farmer's market things where, you know, I, I feel like, it, it, you know, when you go to a farmer's market, something is either going to be a great bargain or why the fuck does this cost so much? You know, right. it's one of the two. There's no question. I grew up as a kid going to the Civic Center Farmer's Market in San Francisco, which was entirely populated by the little old ladies of every nation just fucking throwing bows in front of the bok choy just taking down motherfuckers by the bulk nut stand slicing achilles tendons for the last handful of thai basil yeah it was a wild scene and that my mother and i used to take the bar train to that because it was cheaper than the grocery store yeah, I mean, I guess this is probably a, uh, you know, a function of where the farmer's market is. But yeah, you will get the, you know, the kind of more luxurious items. Today, I got, I saw three pears that looked real nice, threw them in a bag for these three pears that are probably tinier than your average pear, three bite situations. These are little guys. These are little brownies. And some little nubbies. 
Uh, yeah, I think that's their, I think that's their Latin name. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Three little nubbies, five bucks. I was mad until I took, took my first bite. Man. I mean, it's basically 40 cents a bite worth every cent. If you go to the Kroger, these are great bears. If you go to the Kroger, Jordan, you're, you're not going to find nubbis tinicus. You're going to find some bullshit Bartlett. Sure. I don't want a fucking Bartlett pear. Who wants a fuck? common man's Bartlett? Blech. I would never sully my tongue on a Bartlett. God, what is that hybridized with? A different style of pear? Come on. Sorry, Gregor Mendel. You're out of here. I want to bring our guest into this. We have a great guest. Yeah. I'm worried that he'll stop recording the podcast to pet his adorable cat, who we've seen a few times. His cat's his cat's butt was squarely in his nose. He was having to address a very serious cat tail and butthole situation immediately in front of his web camera. He is a beloved stand-up comic. Uh, he's got a brand new Netflix special on the way called We All Scream. He also has a fantastic uh, new comic called Minor Threats. Just a few issues into its run. Look, you could, you could go down to your comic store. They, they're going to have the back issues for you still. You don't have to worry about it. Or you know what? You can do what I did and buy them electronically. Mr. Patton Oswalt is our guest. Patton, our apologies about that uh, cat butt in your nose. Uh, well, it wasn't your fault. It's uh, <laughs> and, and normally this cat would not be bothering me, but uh, my wife is on a trip, a much-deserved trip. She has basically been holding me on the fourth this summer while I do a mini series. So our, our, our cat is very, very about status, very openly about when my, when the wife is here, I am with her all the time. She's number one. If she's gone, you become my number one. The minute she walks back in, you're now, you know, you're, you, you drop one space, but because I'm the number one, she wants to be with me all that she's stalking this She'll hop up into the screen in a second, I'm sure. But I love this intrigue. Who needs a new Game of Thrones series? Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Who we have to vie for a favor with our cat, basically. <laughs> they call your lap the Iron Throne, right? <laughs> <laughs> it really it is. Yeah. Who shall finally sit in the Iron Throne? Yeah, it's crazy. So this this cat who normally ignores me is now this is a cat that our daughter begged to get that she, of course, could not care less about two days after we got her. Um, so it's my wife and I take care of her. And when my wife left and the cat saw me feeding it and scooping its litter, it said, okay, I will now be nice to this person who is, seems to be serving me. Sure. New mommy. Exactly. My five-year-old has a pet obsession mm -hmm. right now. Did you give it, did you give them a pet? We've thought about it. So my eight-year-old got some fish. We think one of the fish is pregnant Oh, so we're expecting it to become many fish. Oh, dear. I don't mean to moralize, Jesse, but is the fish married? Oh, wow. Yeah, but to a dog. <sighs> well, that's what happens. Oof. Yeah. Straight to fish hell and then <laughs> dog hell, hell for the dog. <laughs> it was a slippery slope, Jordan. First fish get married and then we're marrying dogs and sure. that's what happened. This is modeling horrible behavior for your children. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Really? You mean Jordan, Jesse, go that they would become yes, podcasters? Exactly. Yeah. This kind. Let me tell you something. This kind of lack of moral core and this kind of uh, moral vacuum that you're raising them in will send them right into the podcasting world. Yeah. That's the first place they will go. 
Gee whiz. <laughs> These kids are going to be recapping Battlestar Galactica with the guy they met in college. Oh. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Things go sideways in like the fourth or fifth season. Um, so Okay, so you have fish. What is... My 10-year-old doesn't care. My 8-year-old right. has fish. My 5-year-old mm-hmm. desperately wants a pet. Oh, dear. Specifically wants a hamster. And so... No, no, no. Yes. So number one... Don't do it. Number one, hamsters are bad pets. Terrible pets. Number two... I have a lot of hamster-related trauma from the time that my dad stepped on and killed my hamster. I had a hamster that, um, I had gerbils, and then one of the gerbils got pregnant, and then when she gave birth, she ate her babies right in front of me, and it freaked me out. One of my hamsters Whoa. did that one time. Yeah, oh, it was shit. it was like, it was total like eraser head, fear of reproduction. <laughs> Just, it was a nightmare. It was a wow. nightmare. Yeah. Did they- Yeah. Do they do little screams while they're being eaten by their mother? I don't. Well, Jesus if they did, Christ. I couldn't hear them because I was screaming. It was so <laughs> horrific. So my wife got for Frankie, my five-year-old, she finally broke down and got her a hamster cage. Like Frankie knows <laughs> okay. that she's not allowed to get a hamster, but she wanted to have a hamster cage. So she got a hamster cage when you say a hamster cage, you mean a, a cage like a habit trail? Yeah, like a full habit trail. Good distinction. Like oh, there you go. actual habit trail yeah. with the tubes. Yep. And the whole nine yards. And a very adorable and sweet stuffed hamster, like a plush Adorbs. hamster. Adorbs. Not like a taxidermied hamster. Sure. She got a very cute taxidermied hamster playing a bass, upright bass. <laughs> um, it's really adorable. <laughs> and this morning while I was eating breakfast, Frankie came up to me. I'm sorry for, look, I, I know that kids say the darndest is the the crutch <laughs> of the of the C minus podcaster, but right. <laughs> my kid said the darndest this morning. What and did it came she up. say? She said- Daddy, want to make our own videos with the stuffed animal hamster? My five-year-old does talk like that, by the way. It's a speech delay. And then she goes, we could even build a mech suit. And so she and I (laughs) built a mech suit for the hamster. We'll post this on Twitter, but there's there's the mech suit so you guys can see it. Oh. Oh, dear. Yeah, so we built a mech suit for the hamster. Then Frankie added quite a number of weapons to the mech suit. It's good that you're doing this on a stuffed hamster because in the mech media that I've consumed, the bond with the pilot will often drive the pilot insane. I don't think you can trust the mech Mm. media. I think they have an agenda. Right. (laughs) No, you're right. The liberal mech media... (laughs) What I'm I'm just curious. So, what are what is this stuffed hamster's arsenal of weapons? What weapons did they did you well, choose? The upright base, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. First and foremost, the upright yeah. base. It's the easiest way to slay slay the ladies. Am I right, people? Oh, Come on, ladies Folks. love an upright hey. base. <laughs> without a base, without a trace. Guys. Right, exactly. Yes. There's no trace of panties because yeah. they've come off. All your base belong to us. <laughs>
<laughs> These are things with bass in them. Mm-hmm. Yay! So, uh, yeah. The- You'll never get to third base. I don't know. <laughs> Initially, there were some arms. Sort of like the arms on the space shuttle. Okay. So, like claws? Yeah, like claw-type okay. arms. Then... Like a Doc Ock situation? Just know, uh, Doc Ock has eight arms. Okay. Well, Not to explain. Well, four. Well, got four. four. Well, four. Okay. Three, uh, well, two, I'm counting his human arms and legs. So six. Yeah. No, his legs count as well. So it's the four no. robotic arms. Jesse, mm. you're just, you legs are. Legs are a type of arms. Just admit you were wrong. Own your error. Legs are a type of arms. Own your mm. error that you didn't know. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> Guys, Alfred Molina used to sit in a chair outside my therapist's office. Did he? Yeah, and so I know a little something. I don't know what there was other offices in the hallway. I don't think I'm saying anything about Alfred Molina's confidential mental health or anything. But yeah, I saw his feet and they're a type of, uh, I saw his feet and they're a type of arm. It would be weird if the only thing on that floor was... Your psychiatrist's office, but he wasn't there for your psychiatrist. That's just where he liked to go sit. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be really interesting. I like to read the highlights. <laughs> I just like it. I like it. I like just eating a bologna sandwich. I don't like paying for magazines, man. I just <laughs> like, I like reading old people magazines. Pulls the sandwich out of a wax paper. <laughs> Patton, can I ask you a question about something that I saw on social media? Uh, please. Did you have a movie premiere that had its after party at a norms yes we premiered uh my new movie i love my dad well we premiered it at south by southwest but the actual uh premiere before it hit the theaters was at the largo we showed it at the largo and then we all walked up the street to norms on la cienega and had our after party at the norms and all i can say is i don't know why every after party is not at norms it was fantastic it's well lit. There's room to move around. It is well. Norms are do have good lighting. And the music isn't blaring. And the food was delightful. It was everything was yummy. Did they put out like trays of milkshakes or? They did little pass arounds of little tiny burgers, fries, uh, grilled cheese, um, chicken and waffles, little tiny pass arounds. And they were amazing. Norm's is a kind of a classic American diner. Classic chain. One on La Cienega, one on Ventura and Sherman Oaks. I'm sure there's more, but um, just basic staples done well. Yeah, I'm uh, Norm's is all, one of those. You're like, it's it's a similar menu to a Denny's, but the hit ratio is so much higher. Oh, boy. Yeah, it, it's all comfort food. Nothing nothing on the menu doesn't work. A similar menu to Denny's, but the hit ratio is higher in the sense that there are hits on the menu. (laughs) If you ever like, like, I guess pancakes. You will enjoy your food. Pancakes are fine wherever you, you know, an industrial pancake is perfectly fine. But I would feel like I've never gone to a Denny's, ordered something and then been happy that I ate it. Well, you know, Jordan is right in one sense in that everything at Norm's, they're not trying to be anything but a norms burgers chicken fingers shakes fries um denny's there is a basic core menu that works like the, the turkey clubs and fries some of the breakfast items and then they try to do a healthy salad or a fillet of fish um with like the cat and they put calories on everything 
And so your, your guide at Denny's is the higher the calorie count, the more delicious the food will be. And uh-huh. when they're the, the healthier they're attempting to be, it will absolutely not work. Yeah. And also important to note the that salad that they're trying, still 9,000 calories. Exactly. Yeah. They, they, they've somehow snuck a Snickers bar into it or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they do it, but everything is still unhealthy. The secret to ordering it at Denny's I have found, and I'm just going to offer this to everybody out there who's, you know, going. it's only order off the Deadpool menu. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, I don't know, Jesse. I'm Hobbit or nothing. <laughs> okay. Fair really? Enough. They did. They had a massive Lord of the Rings tie-in, I remember, uh, when the, the trilogy, or was it a Hobbit tie-in? But they had all this, like, Hobbitized or Middle-Earthized Denny's food for a while with, like, little stand-up foldy things on the yeah. uh, table. Like, hey, here's our, our special Lord of the Rings menu. And it was infinitely sad to look at. <laughs> and some of it, like, there's some of it, like, fits, right? Because, like, breakfast, hobbits, second sure. breakfast. Perfect. This is great. But then it'll just be, like, Gollum's shake. <laughs> <laughs> can I get a, uh, can I get a Balrog burger and a, <laughs> some Aragorn fries? Thank you. Like, they, none of that works. Patton, I have an important character question can for I, you. Can I get a, um... Tom Bacon Bombadil. Thank you. <laughs> it's off the menu. Do you want to punch <laughs> this up any further, Pat? No, no, I'm actually done. Let's move on. Just... Please, let's move on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I wish I knew enough about Lord of the Rings to <laughs> pile onto this. But I'm, I'm what here's what I here's my process. I'm trying to think of something for you shall not pass anyway. Yeah. Oh, that would be any of their cheese items, and that's what it says to your colon. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Well, your colon says that to the cheese. That nozzled everybody. <laughs> oh, Jesus, God. Put Mad TV back on the air, please. <laughs> Patton, your your new comic, Minor Threats, yeah. is about a team of like sort of C and D list supervillains teaming Yes. Up. Yes. And they are, you know, they're very kind of uh, classic C&D list superhero types. Your protagonist mm-hmm. is a grown up child superhero who's I mean, supervillain whose gift is to uh, make a, a clever machine out of anything that she sees. Yeah. Yeah. She's a technopath. She can like turn anything into a machine, take scraps around her and make them into machines and. I mean, the basic idea of the book is that they are C and D level supervillains and in the world they inhabit, an A level supervillain has killed an A level hero's sidekick. So all of the A level heroes are now cracking down so hard on the city to try to capture this A level supervillain that it's making life miserable for the C and D level people. And then they just decide, well, hey, let's just... If we take the A-level guy down and hand him to the heroes, we'll get some, some you know, little credit in the favor bank. So, you know, that's that's their plan. Now, I, I have had many conversations with friend of Jordan, Jesse Go, friend of mine and my family, Elliot Kalin. Oh! That ended up just being Elliot listing marginal supervillains to me. <laughs> And I have to I have to say, like, you know, I don't read a ton of superhero comics, but I will listen to 
a list of calendar man adjacent superhero oh. characters that and i think that you may be of all the people i know of all the people i know in my life you may be the one person who could go potentially go toe to toe on knowledge Maybe, of yeah. marginal <laughs> of marginal like 1950s batman bad guys oh yeah 1960s failed spider-man bad guys yeah, DC and Marvel have an amazing underworld populated with these just one to two issue things. Like I, I always call them the Jack Kirby in a bad mood villains, where it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 4.15 p.m. and Stan needs something new and he just wants to get out of the office. It's Friday and he just like that's why, that's why we loved Jordan and I who, who are doing Minor Threats. We also did a show for Hulu called MODOK and MODOK is the the height of Jack Kirby in a bad mood, just trying to get something on paper so he can get out of the office. Mechanical organism designed only for killing mental organism designed mental organism. Yes. And he, um, it's just a giant angry head with feet, (laughs) with legs and arms. And it's just delightful. It's, it's like a living headache. So, and what was, but what was weird though, this is what's weird though. When we were doing MODOK, we would ask for like, hey, can we have Iron Man in an episode? Can we have Mr. Sinister? Like kind of big characters, you know. And then we'd ask for my – there's a whole episode set at the bar with no name where there's all these minor villains, like super minor ones. And they're like, oh, yeah, you can use Pound Cakes. You can use um, Angar the Screamer. But then we would say <laughs> randomly go like, can we have Stilt Man, who is just one of the most ridiculous – Super villains ever, literally Stilt Man. He just has these legs that can grow. He just goes up and steals. It's the stupid. I'm familiar thing. with Stilt Man. I went to UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> Listen, I think Stilt Man, Stilt Man banged all our girlfriends at UC Santa Cruz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't see stilts without getting mad. But we're like, can we use Stilt Man so we can use? Because we're thinking, well, you let us have these big ones. You're like, no, we're doing something with him. You can't have him. And I'm like, did wait, did Joaquin Phoenix sign on to play Stiltman? What is going on? Why is that <laughs> right. one? Uh, Ava DuVernay. It's Ava DuVernay's yeah, pet project. Exactly. She's got, she wants to do a grounded Stiltman movie. It's grounded. We wanted to do, um, there's this, oh my God, there's this terrible villain who actually is weirdly timely called Turner D. Century. And he's a guy <laughs> who just lives like it's just the 1900s. So he has like the big... You know, um, giant front wheeled bike, like a velocipede. Yes, and and a, like a bowler hat and a wax mustache. Which now he's basically like, oh, it's every hipster in Brooklyn, basically. Yeah. What <laughs> powers does he have? I don't know. He again, the power of the telegraph or something. He can use old technology that uh, that can't be. Tr- I don't know, but but it doesn't matter because they wouldn't let us use him. Like you can't have Turner D Century. I'm like. What the fuck is going on? Why can't I have <laughs> so that kind of that aspect of like did somebody in the in the movie part of Marvel like crack this character and now they're gonna launch something amazing or what? What's happening? I just got done writing for uh, Jellystone on HBO Max, and this is mm. kind of a big mashup of all the Hanna Barbera characters. Yeah, and this was a fascinating exercise in what can we use because it. You know, the, the idea is that it's... Were there, I'm sorry, were there characters they wouldn't let you use? Okay, so a big one was you can use the banana splits 
but it costs extra, so make it good. <laughs> so someone sorry, what? So someone owns a little piece of the banana splits and they have to get a kickback every time the <laughs> giant puppets appear on screen. And so like Wow. If you want to do a banana splits thing. In nineteen eighty seven, Paul McCartney told Michael Jackson to buy some of the banana splits and Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Why are we paying Prince's estate for this? <laughs> what? Oh my God. That's so weird. Are the banana splits the ones that have a horror movie? Oh, yeah. I think they did. I think they did. Uh, so maybe that's part no. of it. Maybe that horror movie was part of Wait it. Wait a minute. There was a banana splits horror movie? I think that's true. My daughter has explained this to me because there's this very popular video game franchise called Five Nights at Freddy's. Okay. And there is a rumor that one of these studios had the rights to Five Nights at Freddy's, had a Five Nights at Freddy's film mm-hmm. written and developed. Then they lost the rights to Five Nights at Freddy's and just switched it to being a Banana Splits movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Five Nights at Freddy's is- I have to look this up. Is like a, um, what's the mouse with the pizza? Chuck E. Cheese? <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. It's like an evil Chuck E. Cheese. The mouse with the pizza. I like the- um, okay, Stop setting up Patton to tell Ratatouille stories. No, just. I'm not doing it. I, I do know that DC Comics did a whole thing with all of the Hanna-Barbera characters, like like but real life. And, and I remember when I saw it- Yeah. It was like Hanna-Barbera and Warner Brothers. So it was like Batman versus Elmer Fudd. Um, and then they did a one called Snagglepuss, Exit Stage Left. And it was about him- in Hollywood during the pink scare because he's secretly closeted and he's trying not to, and it was so well done. Is that a Mark it Russell? Was, yes, it's a Mark Russell. Same guy that did the Flintstones one. Yeah, the Flintstones one is great. That one is a capital steps, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Different guy, not the PBS. Oh, okay. Not the PBS. So something funny about the Hanna-Barbera averse is that they were just chasing trends. You know, they were just yeah. like, okay, kids... Kids like ghosts. Let's ch- crank out some ghost stuff. Kids like space. Uh, Star Wars right. is popular. Get us some, you know, and it just has this, them kind of cranking out things based on trends. And So hang on. So is, is, so are, who is the main protagonist of Jellystone? Is it Yogi? Like he's our entry into the world or what is it? Yeah. So I think uh, there's a lot of kind of little, a lot of characters kind of get their own stories, but I think, I think, yeah, if you would say the protagonist, it's uh, Yogi, Boo Boo and Cindy. Are the kind of the the three most well known? So is who is Cindy? Cindy was the girl bear who uh-huh. <laughs> I think in the cartoons had no personality and now is a funny neurotic scientist. But yeah, Cindy was the you know the kind of token girl bear that they threw into you know threw into Yogi at some point. I, I didn't know that the banana splits was Hanna Barbera. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I guess they kind of like cavorted and then they would introduce a cartoon. Well, I know that. Oh, so they were introducing because they would introduce Danger Island, um, that weird Tom Sawyer one where it was live action and cartoons. Oh, yeah, sure. And then there was. Oh, so I'm oh, I'm thinking of Sid and Marty Croft is that whole other thing. There was so many of these. It was like the whole all the wars on it were nuts. Somebody had an idea for Thundar the Barbarian, who was a He-Man knockoff. Mm-hmm. And so we had this kind of Thundar story that we were working on. And then something happened and Thundar had to get shunted to another episode. And everybody was like, well, so this original Thundar 
idea might be dead and we all kind of liked it and we were kind of like finding a way to save it. And then yours truly said, what about Galtar the Barbarian? And you can just slide in a whole other He-Man clone and it's the exact same thing. So you can do a Galtar story that you would previously do with Thundar and nothing changes. And wasn't Thundar like set in a post-apocalyptic world and he had like basically a lightsaber ripoff yeah. and he had like a Chewbacca <laughs> ripoff cycle. It was all, again, it was always people just, what's the zeitgeist now? Throw this together, throw this together. Boom. There you go. Right. Yeah. I would like, if I had the opportunity to license any character, I would like to license Brave Star, the Native American space cowboy who had a friend who was a very muscular gray horseman with a laser bazooka. Was this, a, I don't remember that cartoon. Was that also Hanna-Barbera? That was 1987. Uh, uh-huh. I can only imagine it was made by Brave Star Incorporated. I, oh, like, okay. Whoever made The Littlest Hobo for Canadian television, <laughs> I'm sure. Looks like this is Filmation. Okay, no, no, hang on. Filmation is a whole other universe of like, isn't that like the Herculoids and the, what was Filmation? That was a whole other. Herculoids or Hanna-Barbera. We have a, oh, okay. we have a, there's a fun Herculoids episode. Herculoids was awesome. They had the rhino that shot the weird lava balls out of his yeah. thing. And they had the weird ghost thing and then the drag. It was awesome. They apparently owned quite a film library. <laughs> I'm checking out Filmation. What do you mean by film library? Like actual movies? Yeah. They also owned uh, the original Ghostbusters. The live action one. Yes. They were behind the live action show Daffy Duck and Porky Pig Meet the Groovy Ghoulies. (laughs) Wait a minute. How was that? Oh, I remember the Groovy Ghoulies. That was like a banana split ripoff. It was like monsters like doing rock and roll. And then they would introduce cartoons and stuff. They had uh, Treasure Island and Oliver Twist, which they produced with Warner Brothers. Kids love orphans. Thank God someone (laughs) took the time to... Hang on. I'm sorry. Oliver Twist is a weekly series or just a movie they made? I'm trying to figure out what these fucking things are because they really... They made the feature films of He-Man and She-Ra. This is really a bonkers Wikipedia wow. article. They did the production design on both Rod Rocket and Life of Christ. Mm. So it was just like anything that came through the door. They're like, we got we gotta we gotta get work, guys. Whoever's willing to pay, we do it. They probably have like two early Sydney Lament movies too, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> they had a few like famous things. Fat Albert the Archie okay. Show and He Man; those were huge. Uh, but then it looks like Brave Star may have been the downfall of the company. Wow, <laughs> they made sixty-five Brave Stars. Holy mackerel! Now yeah, this you, is you, what you gotta remember. Like back then, TV wasn't like it was now. They're like, well, give me your twelve best episodes. Like the Munsters, that thing was on the air for two years, and there are seventy-one episodes. It was just <laughs> crank this crap out. They did not care because because that was the time it was such a golden age for mediocre writers because people just liked looking at a TV. It didn't really matter what was on. It was such a miraculous thing. You know, there's that 
thing, there's that moment in JFK where that landlady comes into Lee Harvey Oswald's room and she goes, do you want to look at television? I was like, oh, that's <laughs> right. It was just a thing to look. It didn't really matter what was on. You just, you just looked at it. Like, can you believe this thing is in my living room? So you could just, you know, oh, it's, you know, Herman Munster and he's running around smashing through walls. Who cares? It's just a Flanders in Swan record playing <laughs> while the camera's pointed at an aquarium. Now, Pat, exactly. I have to say, like, I was reading about your comic minor threats. I also read your comic minor threats, which is great. Uh, but I was reading about it. And there was, you know, somebody asked the classic question, like, what what characters in, inspired the characters in, in your comic? And, you know, like, I don't remember what the first couple cited were, but they were calendar man type things. And then you immediately, you immediately went to a not insignificant discussion of the bad guy from the Walter Matthau movie, Charlie Varick. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Molly, um, played by Joe Don Baker, one of the scariest screen villains ever. He's the uh, pursuit and retrieval man for the mob. And he's just this, you know, smiling, calm, smokes a pipe and will kill you with his bare hands. Yeah, the movie owns <laughs> like just a brutal. It's movie is so good. Yeah, those kind of um, those kind of working class. I mean, he cares about what he when he checks into the whorehouse and he's so particular about his breakfast. Like, <laughs> I need this so I can go kill people. Give me a three minute egg, wheat toast, and a thing of hot herb tea. Like, oh, okay, of course. So that kind of you know idea of uh, just the the people that are like, I'm not here. I don't want to run the world because running the world sucks. I'm I just want to rip and run. I want to. Build up a caper, get a big chunk of change, live off that for a while, and then do the next caper. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to run an empire. The protagonist's mom is just all about trying to convince her to just rob a bank, honey. <laughs> just rob a bank. It's so you have powers. Why, are you, why aren't you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that that kind of that level of, of criminality has always fascinated me because there's this weird level of honor and honesty that you have to have it, within a certain code or it all falls apart so that idea of you know you're not following the code and you you know and also it was just on the other hand it also came from that started as a idea i had for a batman comic of batman joker uh called jay and then i just realized wait a minute because i'd done stuff for dc and marvel but it's like you break your ass working with ips and you don't really make any money and you don't control it ultimately and i'm like why don't i just create my own Let's just create our own stuff. What are we doing? You know? Yeah, I know. I am basically right now. I am just, I'm struggling to pay rent off my Galtar money. Yeah. <laughs> you, you paying some, you uh, spending some Galtar bucks right now? Yeah. Make it, making it rain Galtars. Yeah. <laughs> Paul McCartney convinced Jordan when he was working in uh, a late night that he should buy 10% of Galtar. There you go. Smart. You guys want to, uh, Count our Galtar bucks and then uh, come back for another segment. Yeah, we'll be back yeah. in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. Now, this episode of Jordan Jesse Go is, as always, brought to you by our listeners, specifically the ones who are members of Maximum Fun. Thank you for supporting Maximum Fun. It means the world to us. Thank you for supporting this show directly. It's wonderful. 
you rule. Uh, thanks for going to MaximumFun.org slash join. We're also supported this week by the good folks over at Raycon. Jesse, you know our buddy, frequent star guest on this show, Eliza Skinner. She has a really great album of stand-up and music that came up on my shuffle the other day, and I listened to the whole thing front to back. Not only is she a great stand-up comic, but also her music is totally awesome and really funny. And I recommend, if you want to check out her album, Regarding My Lovers, it's out there on your music streaming services. And if you want it to sound really great, listen to it on your Raycon wireless earbuds. That's how I was listening. And I was loving it. I love these things. They everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. I've been listening to an album called Natural Brown Prom Queen by Sudan Archives. And it is one of those kind of records that is full of aesthetic detail. It is like kind of noisy, but very jamming. And there's just a lot going on in every track. And it really benefits from great earbuds like Raycons. And what's cool about the Raycons is they're really affordable for the kind of quality detail base response that you get. So I say... Check out that record. Maybe check it out with some Raycons. You can go to buyraycon.com today and use the code JJGO15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's the code JJGO15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code JJGO15. We're also supported this week by the folks at Stitch Fix. Yeah, you know that feeling when your clothes fit just right. Yeah. That's the Stitch Fix feeling. Jordan, are you suggesting this is a nasty feeling? I I don't listen. Maybe I might have said it in a way that suggested that the feeling might. You said it in what I what I I describe as a Miss Jackson. Listen, I don't listen. A Miss Jackson way of saying something, which is to say you nasty. (laughs) Stitch Fix will have you feeling great. Listen, no matter how nasty you want to feel. Stitch yeah. Fix can help you out. They are the easiest way to get clothes that fit you without having to endlessly scroll through options. Here's what you do. You go to Stitch Fix. You take a quiz. What kind of clothes do you like? What kind of fits do you need? Are you going to the office? Are you going on dates? Are you working from home? These are all kinds of things that Stitch Fix considers. Would you address her as Janet or Miss Jackson? (laughs) That's how they find out how nasty you are. Uh, With your choices in mind, they pick a wide range of clothes and they send you your perfect fit hand-picked just for you. It's really, really cool to have a personal stylist uh, on the other end of the computer sending you stuff that you'll like. I always love getting a box from Stitch Fix. Some of my favorite clothes uh, I've gotten via Stitch Fix, stuff I wear all the time and really, really love. And uh, I think you should give it a shot. Uh, Right now, Stitch Fix is offering our listeners $20 off their first fix at stitchfix.com slash jjgo. That's stitchfix.com slash jjgo for $20 off today. stitchfix.com 
slash JJ go. Let's get back to the show. It's Jordan, Jesse go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And I'm Patton Oswalt, America's podcast guest. Patton, you're slumming it over here on Jordan, Jesse go. We're grateful for your time. Well, I'm happy to be here, guys. Never slumming it with you. We have confirmed that uh, the Banana Splits was a horror movie. I also can confirm that I watched uh, the trailer for a horror movie called uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I saw that. It, 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 again, it's it's funny for a minute. And then you're like, yeah, OK, I get it. it it's oh, look out. We're edgy. It's public domain. Look what we did. Yeah. OK, great. I get it. Patton, we know that you're mad that they can't get residuals on the IP. (laughs) (laughs) The AA Milne estate needs to be kept in tea and crumpets. (laughs) We know where your priorities are. Damn it. It does. Winnie the Pooh in the film does have a very creepy head. I just want to give them credit for really creeping up Winnie the Pooh's head. I I did some research, too, and I guess, God, this is this is terrible. I'm I'm fucked. I now owe. Elon Musk, $13 million because he owns Galtar because apparently he was the original edgelord. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Wow. I'm fucked. The original edgelord. <laughs> Boy. Wowie zowie. That's rough. Uh, Maximumfund.org slash donate. Yeah. You know who the original edgelord was? Hmm. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Pat. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You know Thank who you. I think are the biggest edgelords of them all? Who? Single mothers. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Very yeah. courageous. Do I clap or so courageous? Boy, no, no one. Yeah, no one messes with the normies like single moms. Yeah. <laughs> no one messes with the gritters like the uh, the, the moms with the uh, pushing the strollers. Yeah, you know how it is. When something mm-hmm. momentous happens to you, we ask you to call us at 206-984-4FUN or just send us a voice memo at jjgo at org. Here is one of the calls that we have received, or maybe a voice memo. I guess we'll find out. Hey, George and Jesse Go. This is Sam Conan from Northwest Florida with a momentous occasion. So I met you guys at... Max Fun Con this year, and I told you about my upcoming wedding with my ring bearer, who is a penguin. And uh, the wedding happened, and it was wonderful. So I'm married now. Our ring bearer was a wonderful little penguin named Zulu. He did a great job carrying the rings, and he did try to bite my officiant, which is all, it's all you can really ask for. Anyway, love you guys. Have a good day. Love you too, Sam, and congratulations on your nuptials. Uh, that's really wonderful. I thought that was going in a direction where we were about to hear, and the penguin has joined our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's hardly a Jordan Jesse Go call unless it has more than two people romantically or sexually involved. Sure. Like, yeah. what's the, there's people calling in that they, you know, went to the aquarium and petted a manta ray or whatever. And then they're like, oh, and incidentally, I also had sex with four people at the same time. (laughs) Don't penguins have really scary mouths? I saw some picture online of like a penguin looming at the camera with its mouth open and their mouth is filled with these like jagged, it looks like jagged coral. It's really scary. I'm going to be honest with you, Patton. Mm. 
I'm not crazy about any mouths. <laughs> yeah. Patton, I have Googled penguin mouth and can confirm it does look like it was uh, designed by H.R. Giger. So. Yeah, it, it looks like it would be very painful. Holy Christ. Look at that. Ow. Oh, it has a barbed tongue. Yeah. Holy huh. shit. I mean, it's serious. Why didn't Morgan Freeman warn us? It has <laughs> the top of the penguin's mouth. Like, really, it, this is important thing to point out. The tongue of the penguin's mouth is barbed. And then the top of the penguin's mouth is also barbed. But it has a form that, in the interest of politeness, I will describe as Georgia O'Keefe-esque. Mm. I think it's fair to say. So you would describe it as powerful, Jesse? Yeah, you would describe would it as powerful? It is powerful, beautiful. Beautiful. Like an incredible. Life-giving. Flower. Yeah, the penguin mouth is terrifying. I like, th there's two things I noticed about the penguin, as Sam described the penguin. Yeah. One is that it was a little penguin. And honestly, if I'm going to tell you, if I'm going to have a penguin in my wedding, Give me the biggest one you've got. Mm -hmm. Boom. I want an eight footer. You know? yeah. <laughs> Give me one that's juiced up with dinosaur DNA or whatever the fuck. Like the ones that dragged Danny DeVito's body into the water at the end of Batman, Batman Returns. <laughs> yeah. Get those ones. <laughs> the clear guys in suits. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not working yeah. that much. Vern Troyer's first acting job. Nice. <laughs> Good and everything. All right. By the way, his Vern, Vern Troyer's first acting job, he's the officiant for the wedding at the end of Beetlejuice. Really? That's Vern Troyer. Wow. Yep, first acting That's job. That's great. What a career. It kind of ties everything well, together. Quite a debut. Exactly. Can I tell you guys something? Hmm. My daughter has been really into uh, Austin Powers lately. Cool. Uh, mm -hmm. You know why that was so popular? Funny. Yeah, it's just super, it's super funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a few things I wouldn't do in 2022, but um, mostly it's just super fucking funny. And uh, God bless Mike Myers, a sweet genius. Uh, that's all I have to say about fuck that fucking movie. It holds up in 2022 because most of the jokes are about how badly the spy genre has aged in terms of sexism and, you know, chauvinism and stuff like that. So that movie gives itself a big pass because it's already taken the piss out of all that stuff. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. It's a lot of time to spend looking at his prosthetic teeth. I will say that. <laughs> Speaking of mouths, I yeah, I don't want to look at that. Pat, no. what what mouth would you most like to look at? Mm. You know, now that I now that I think about it, now that you said that earlier, not a big fan of mouths either. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, just a mouth by itself. It's is, a bad hole. I'll say it. Bad hole. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. creepy. It's creepy. It's not good. The, the, the teeth are weird. It looks both dangerous but also gross. At the same time, it's this horrible combination of hard and soft. It just it's not good together. And then, and then the tongue is this weird muscle. Apparently, yeah. the tongue is a very powerful muscle. And yep. if you ever watch like those side x-rays, the tongue is like this huge muscle that kind of goes into the you know floor of the mouth. It's way bigger than just that. It's too long. Uh, but it's also thick. It, it just creeps me out. In JFK, Lee Harvey Oswald and his landlord just turn on the TV and it's just side x-rays. <laughs> Would you like to look at mouths, Mr. O Mr. Lee? Uh, Daniel, we got another uh, Mumbits occasion in there. 
Hi, Jordan and Jesse. This is Aubrey from Connecticut, and I wanted to call in today for a momentous occasion. I started working at a public school, a performing arts school, um, just a few weeks ago, and it's been really difficult. Um, I thought it would be all glitter and, you know, beautiful scenery, but unfortunately, uh, students are more apathetic than ever. Uh, partially due to the pandemic, I don't uh, fault them for that, but today is the first day that the students didn't make me cry, and also no one called me a fucking bitch today like they did in my second week, so we're doing good. I love you guys so much. You make my days brighter every day. All right, bye. Love you too. Namaste. Isn't that the dream, Jordan, to not, wow. not cry because of teens? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just try and avoid all teens. They can make me cry. They yeah. can't. They have the ability to make me cry. A teen wouldn't even have to say like it's one thing to call someone a fucking bee, right? Like, yeah, that's sure. That could make anyone cry. Jesse, an effing bitch. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say, I would say that a teen. Especially like one of these TikTok teens mm. could make me cry without a word, just a apathetic gaze, right? Mm. Just a gaze that leads me to understand how close I am to, I guess, losing my boners, <laughs> just like <laughs> to the point where hey. I can no longer become tumescent. A gaze that says, yes, I'm wearing a knee-length Iron Maiden t-shirt, and I've never heard of the band. <laughs> a TikTok teen can make me cry just by posting a video of them getting up out of a chair without being in pain. Like, that would immediately, <laughs> that would be such an own. Oh, you think you're so big. Like, oh, look at this. Just stood up, didn't even grunt. Oh, like, that would really, really put things in perspective right. for me. Uh, I hate yeah. it when they do two evening activities. <laughs> They could do one activity the and then go somewhere else. Yeah. Oh my god, this this TikTok teen is I'm at war with him. He just posted a video of him uh completing two errands in one day, and I just I gave up. I just gave up. Done. Oswald says he won't do college gigs anymore. College audiences are too insensitive to getting up out of chairs. <laughs> at the end of my show, these kids just pop right up and it's such an insult. How uh, dare I they? can't watch it anymore. I can't see it. I'm trying to do comedy. They should have the decency to, before they get up out of the chair, go. (laughs) 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 Or just do that. Let that. So like, as they're getting up, that would good. Please think of who you're doing it in front of. Yeah. Instead, they just do something amazing with a red solo cup. Like yeah. a cool flip or something. Oy, oy, oy. I don't need it. Teens don't get my season four Simpsons references. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of Mr. Plow. <laughs> they know all about Brave Star with two R's, though. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that went viral on TikTok. You know? Jesse, you got to take for the Brave Star reboot. If we if we could get Filmation on the phone. I think I could come up with something. I'm going to be honest with you. Make it grounded. It has to be grounded. Grounded. So, grounded. That's the thing. I see it. There's been so many edgy reboots. There's so many reboots where 
you know, what they're doing is they're turning it gray and orange. Right. They're adding some violence and they're making it grittier and so on and so forth. And I do want to make it grittier, but I want to make it emotionally grittier, which is why I see Brave Star, the Native American space cowboy, and his muscular gray-blue horse friend Hmm. in like a a kitchen sink drama directed by Mike Lee. Mm. Like they developed the characters through improvisation over the course of six months. Mike Lee brings their improvisations to a script uh, and then they return and they, they have a lot to say about working class life in England slash a cowboy planet in space. Space Texas. (laughs) Yeah. Patton, do you have like a beloved childhood thing that you feel like only you remember that you would reboot given the opportunity? Oh boy. I'm always I'm always nervous about doing that because I just feel like my memories, I don't totally trust all my a lot of times things that you love because they're so you have such nostalgia for them and then you look at them again and it's like, oh good lord, no, I don't want to do this. But it would be kind of funny. To do um, Danger Island, which was that one that was um, was live action at Jan Michael Vincent and um, this guy Chongo, who was it was, again, just a terrible like white writer's idea of, well, he's exotic and foreign. And if they yell his name at him, he goes crazy and beats up all their adversaries. He would just go, "Uh oh, Chongo. It was like literally like this weird human tornado that they had. And I would try to like do it some, and just, just to redeem Chongo. <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. It looks like they have to deal with a murderous Captain Mutan as well. Are you talking about Danger Island? Yeah, on Danger Island, they have to deal with the Captain Mutan as well as the Ash Men and the Skeleton Men. I remember the Ash Men. Again, this is something I watched when I was five. I just know that it's... Jan Michael Vincent, some hot girl, Chongo, and an African-American guy who was in a great exploitation movie called The No Mercy Man that Quentin Tarantino showed one night at the New Beverly. And he's a really good actor, like had this had this almost like this Shakespearean voice. And they would, I guess they're, but I don't remember what the, I thought it was like a weekly serial, but I guess there's an overall villain or something. Guys, you, you're, okay, check it out. What? Originally broadcast in 1986-69 as a segment of the Banana Splits Adventure Hour. No, not, not nine. can't be 1986. Oh, maybe I've got a bad Wikipedia. 68. 68, excuse me. 68, Late 69. 60s. 68, yeah, 69. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. sorry. By that time, Jan Michael Vincent was far gone into alcoholism. He could not have done that show. <laughs> <laughs> he had just quit Airwolf at that point. <laughs> it says it was created to cut production costs on the program. What was? The Danger Island was. Wait a minute. They made Danger Island to cut costs on the banana splits. We've been over <laughs> this. The banana splits cost extra. So if you yeah. want to use them, it has to be good. Not only. Now, this is important. Not okay. only did they create the program specifically in order to cut costs on the animated banana split segments. It was directed by. Richard Donner, the director of Superman. What? <laughs> what the hell? As well as Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
So he <laughs> did Danger Island. Holy crap. Uh, guys, did we just start a Danger Island recap podcast? I, 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 I want now I wanna, I'm going to go back and rewatch all of them. The other one I would want to do is Lancelot Link Secret Chimp, except yes. that um, all the spy stuff, every episode ends with Lancelot just like doing what chimps do when they get angry, which is just break people's jaws and yeah. pull their genitals off. And then eat their face. Like, that's what he does at the end. Like, like so the one guy is about to launch the nuclear codes and he just goes crazy ex-circus monkey on him and just completely rips his face off. Yeah. Just okay. everyone is constantly humping Mata Harry. Here, okay, here's my, here's mine. Here's mine. I'm, I walk into that development office. Yeah. You know, pleasantries. Hey, how you doing? Oh, my gosh. How's your, you know, fall going? Get my Fiji water. Sit down on the couch, and I just say, polyamorous snorks. <laughs> <laughs> and then I cash my check. Ching. Wait a minute. Why do I know the snorks? What, what was the they snorks? They were the underwater Smurfs. <laughs> oh, for the love of God. You know when yeah. Smurfs got popular, and they're like, do another one of these. Make them underwater. Well, yeah. Again, yeah, why do all of these shows sound like they're being pitched by someone who's just exhausted? And, and, and <laughs> so, in other words, they're just like, this is what's popular right now. Right. Then, then just do this. Look, put the Smurfs underwater. All right. Yeah. Just have on underwater. Do that. On the Wikipedia, it should have the budget and then size of cocaine mound. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how much. There should be different sizes of cocaine mounds. So you know, like how completely buggy yeah. things were when they, when they made that. But again, everything, especially in like 70s animation, which that's why. Mr. Bill was invented. They were making fun of how at one point the animation for, for kids TVs was so bad. There was like basically like it wasn't 24 frames per second. It was like 12 and like things barely moved. They would just like do the cheapest that they could. So the guy that made Mr. Bill was like, eventually you're just going to see the hands come in and just move things around. Like, screw it. You know, why are we bothering? I'm not going to lie to you. You know, a long time Jordan Jesse Go listeners will recall that I once met Joseph Barbera when I was handing out proclamations for the mayor's office of San Francisco. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And based on his... Let's say the cut of his suits, his black dress shirts, his slicked back hair and his uh, his oversized gold eyeglasses. If he mm-hmm. was not laundering mafia money. Right. Uh, no one has ever laundered mafia money. <laughs> like 100 percent. He just needed a way to get, right. you know, neighborhood protection money from local florists. Yes. Into the right bank account so he could spend it. <laughs> And he was just like, I don't know. Bring me some Dutch people with an underwater some shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone's going to get a fruit cart knocked over. Yeah. Get me a fucking Belgian in here. <laughs> I need to convert my money to flutners. Funky Phantom. How about what is it? Huh? <laughs> What's what am I not doing here? Some kids and they have a revolutionary war ghost. And- sure. They solve mysteries in a talking car. <laughs> yeah, we, we can hide the entire heroin budget from last year in that thing. <laughs> can he talk like Paul Lind? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> sure. Every third character does. <laughs> can we get Paul Lind? Last I heard he likes cocaine. Let's bring him in. <laughs> I'm looking at this snork list here. Mm-hmm. And snork. I mean, everybody knows the main snorks like All-Star Seaworthy and Demi Finster. 
Well, yes, of oh, course. Well, sure. There's, yeah. Yeah. But do you guys remember uh, Governor Wellington Wetworth? <laughs> he actually created the UC system. Oh. <laughs> There's one Ms. Seabottom, voiced by Edie McClurg. Hey! Oh. That's, a good, that's a good get. Great yeah. get for Snorks. them. Great get Why not? And, of course, Dr. Strange Snork. <laughs> wow. Wow. There is a character... A main villain from season three and on, a large green seaweed-like creature with magical abilities, such as disguising himself as a snork. Big weed. I wonder where they came up with the idea for big weed. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like when you, you know, when, when you realize that Sid and Marty Crawford is basically stoners and right, they're hiding yeah. every drug reference they could and every friggin' thing that they did. God, the surviving Croft maybe. 15 years ago, was on The Sound of Young America. Oh. And it was a fucking joyride. Really? Just, he was basically pitching me television shows. Uh, his, their offices were, when I was doing AP Bio and the Radford lot, their office was across the street from our soundstage. And I would come out and I would see them and they would let me go look around their offices. And there were like slee stack models and lidsville puppets he was like legit a fun guy like he was yeah. like 80 or something and completely bonkers he had an office on the lot and he had big three ring binders like so you're on that show huh i got an idea for, and he would just start pitching me shows and i wow. can't remember a thing he said to me because they were so crazy but yeah. now i almost feel like all right you're a civil war skeleton and you, <laughs> and you run across a caveman <laughs> what <laughs> i do feel like Whatever the last thing he pitches, like right before his brain goes, that should be a challenge for someone to be like, you have to make whatever the last <laughs> thing he pitches, that has to be made. J.J. Abrams has to do it. <laughs> yeah. They write it down and give it to Cronenberg. <laughs> there you go. Have fun, buddy. <laughs> you guys want to uh, hand a little something to Cronenberg and then come back yeah, and finish I'm gonna, her off? I'm gonna spend, I need to spend a little time learning about Tudor Shelby. Mm. <laughs> A snork with dark green hair who's afflicted with anaphasia, who can only communicate through tooting. <laughs> What's anaphasia? Anaphasia. Uh, oh. A, a single aphasia. And anaphasia is an inability to comprehend or formulate language because of damage to specific brain regions, uh, probably from lack of oxygen. And I'm sorry, they wrote that, they wrote that into the children's cartoon. Yeah, well, you know, it was the dawn of the independent living movement. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, yeah. it was uh, the ADA had just passed. <laughs> it was a big time. Representation yeah. matters. You got to get that in there, man. Uh, we'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. Hello, dreamers. This is Evelyn Denton, CEO of the only world-class, fully immersive theme resort, Steeplechase. You know, I've been seeing more and more reports on the blogs that our beloved park simply isn't safe anymore. Mur murdered them? I'm gonna wreck it. They say they got mugged by brigands in the fantasy kingdom of Ephemera or hijacked by space pirates in Infinitum. I mean, I could have a knife. My papa said that I needed to do a crime. Friends, I'm here to reassure you that it's all part of the show. These criminals were really just overzealous staff trying to make things a little more magical for our guests. We're just as safe as we've always been. This isn't a county fair, dreamers. This is Steeplechase, the Adventure Zone. 
every Thursday at MaximumFun.org. Since the dawn of time, man has dreamed of bringing life back from the dead. From Orpheus and Eurydice to Frankenstein's monster, resurrection has long been merely the stuff of myth, fiction, and fairy tale. Until now. Actually, we still can't bring people back from the dead. That would be crazy, but the Dead Pilot Society podcast has found a way to resurrect great dead comedy pilots from Hollywood's finest writers. Every month, Dead Pilot Society brings you a reading of a comedy pilot that was sold and developed but never produced, performed by the funniest actors from film and television. How does Dead Pilot Society achieve this miracle? The answer can only be found at MaximumFun.org. It's Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Jordan Morris, boy detective. And I'm Patton Oswalt, America's returning for a new segment podcast guest. Jordan. Yes. I have a dream. You know about this dream. Oh. It's to become a fruit-themed parody rapper. Mm-hmm. And I'm working really hard on a parody of... Uh, the Nas classic do-rags from his album, The Lost Tapes. Mm-hmm. It's called Pluots. I'm not going to give out a preview yet. It scans pretty well with do-rags. Well enough, mm-hmm. Jordan. Well, look, I didn't say I'm fucking Weird Al Yankovic. I'm going to reproduce the meter. <laughs> like, like impressively good rapper Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> hey, his, his stuff on... Uh- when he covered Chameleonaire's white and nerdy, that was some solid flow. Even Chameleonaire, Chameleonaire said, like, that dude can rap. That is the, what, of all the incredible things about Weird Al Yankovic, of which there are many. So many. I think one of the most incredible is what, a like, as someone who loves rap music and hates jokes about rap music because they tend to be real easy and shitty and sometimes racist. I have to say Weird Al Yankovic does a legitimately great job rapping. And I, I asked him about it one time when he was on, uh, when he was on Bullseye and he's just like, yeah, I mean, I, I work really hard on it. So, and I was like, yeah, I bet you do. Cause you're a hardworking guy. You're a great craftsman. Cares. There's no, no one has ever questioned the man's craft. But but if you're going to be a fruit themed parody rapper, does the rapper himself have a fruit themed name? Have you thought of that? That's a great question. I mean, I, right now I'm rapping under my own name just because mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a straight shooter. And I'm also kind of focusing on burnishing my fruit brand. Right. Uh-huh. I think you got to have a name first. You got to have something that pops. Off the dome, Quince the rapper. Oh, yeah. boom. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's yeah. going to be that might end up being what it is. Uh, Tyler, Tyler, the kumquat. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. That's another. <laughs> Tyler, the kumquat is actually a Hanna Barbera character from nineteen seventy one. That's right. They did ninety one episodes uh, for the first season. Right, and, um, talked like the cowardly lion for some reason. <laughs> Larry Storch was the voice. Yeah. Was... <laughs> Larry Storch is exactly who did that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Who's on the lot today? Who's filming a game show? Does, does he want to do a cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll give him a rail. <laughs> yeah. 
Larry Storch on The Voice, Scott Storch on The Beat, folks. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to give a preview of that. Now, Patton, you have a brand new special. It's out now on Netflix. It's called We All Scream. Yes. And I directed it first time directing. I hope there's ice cream content. No ice cream content, but there is the sweet... There's the sweet, sweet taste of my first directing job, and that hey. made all the difference. Congratulations on that, Pat. Well, I know thank that you, you. I know that you had to fight Spike Lee off. Spike Lee yeah. kept demanding. He was like, "I'm owed. I'm owed. It's my time to. You let Bobcat do one. It's <laughs> I'm owed. It's my time." Yeah. And uh, but no, I, I managed to hold out. What was the greatest challenge of directing yourself in a stand-up comedy special? Um, uh, resisting the urge to get really fancy with the camera work and lighting, you know, all the best comedy specials to me are, if you're relying on editing and, and camera work and cutting, then the special's in trouble. It's got to be, you walk out, you are locked down. It just, the material's got to sell itself. So, you know, I was very much like, I know that, that, you know, Netflix likes a good, a good jib shot. So we'll do that at the beginning and then mm. we'll do elbows up, nothing crazy. I'm not trying to sell this. Uh, with the cutting. Netflix uh, loves a jib shot. They love Bridgerton style pussy eating. So. They, yes, it's what they like. I couldn't I couldn't get that second one in, but I did give them a jib shot. So they're they're happy. That's, that's more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked a little bit about your great new comic book, Minor Threats. You can Minor probably threats. still get the Mike Mingala cover, which I got. Oh, I and uh, Jordan Blum, the, the other writer, and the artist Scott Hepburn share custody of that original artwork. We can't decide where it should land because my God, do I love that. It rules. It fucking rules. Uh, and yeah, and I think this is, I think if you read a lot of comics, obviously you're you're going to love this. But also I think this is a good book if you want to read a cool superhero comic, but feel intimidated by 90 <laughs> years of continuity. <laughs> that, yeah. This is a very complete superhero world that you can just get in on the ground floor of and start reading at issue one. One issue of continuity. You can do it. You can do it. I enjoyed, as one of those people, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed how easy breezy your exposition was. I was like, you have built a world without any having to explain to me what the fuck is going on. You showed and didn't tell, Patton. You showed and didn't tell. I love, um, one of my favorite comics is Astro City, and it's all about showing rather than telling. There's no actual exposition for anything you get it all in context. You feel like you are visiting Astro City and you get the whole city's history just watching it. And it is incredible. Yeah. My, my favorite superhero comic is probably uh, Concrete. And uh, oh, what they show you is... Uh, Paul Chadwick. What if, what if a superhero was sad and wrote in his journal a lot? <laughs> <laughs> what if an ex-speechwriter going through a bad divorce got put into the thing's body... Uh, by aliens who then leave the planet and he never has no instruction yeah. manual as to how to work himself. God, that he doesn't comic really is... do any superhero stuff. Not except really. for like occasionally do like a fireman type. Right. Superhero thing. Yeah. Mostly he just goes to the bottom of the ocean. So no one will bother. Him. Oh, it's so good. God, it's so good. <laughs> Patton, it's been a joy to have you on the program, as always. Thank you for making the time. And it was it was so exciting to get to talk to you and also so exciting to see your cat's butthole. Oh, I'm so glad. Beautiful I, butthole. I, I want to give you guys a little treat. You should be so proud. 
Yay. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, thanks, dude. All right. Jordan Jesse Go is uh, produced by Daniel Safran. Brian Fernandez, our producer emeritus. Theme music, Love You by the Free Design, courtesy of the Free Design and Light in the Attic Records. Uh, MaximumFun.reddit.com at Jordan underscore Morris at Jesse Thorne on Twitter at Jordan David Morris and at put.this.on on Instagram. And we are now on Twitter at Jordan Jesse Go. And before we leave... Uh, this is a little bit sad. I don't necessarily want to talk about it in a sad way right now because I'm not up to it, but I just wanted to acknowledge that this week as, as we record this, uh, we put down my dog Coco, who has been a character on this show over many, many years. She's, she's lived in our house for 15 years. She was almost 17 years old and, uh, you know, she's, she's been a, Jordan has been a great pal to her for so long. And, you know, I, I don't think anyone who's, who's heard me talk about her on this show doesn't know that, uh, she was my, she was my best bud. Frankly, with all due respect to Jordan and no no respect to Daniel, Daniel's not really in this conversation. (laughs) The, the best bud I, I ever had, like, she was the nicest dog, and she was so so lucky to have you and Teresa and your whole family. She was she was really wonderful and had a great life, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I bothered her a lot. I carried her upside down like a baby. I put her underneath sure. my shirt so her head would come out, and I called it sharing the head hole. I yeah, I, I I bothered her a lot over 15 years, but she learned that she wasn't going to escape it, so she should just let it happen. Let me pet her while she was trying to eat or whatever. So yeah, so thanks thanks to Coco for for being a, a pal to me and for this show. And thanks to um you know, I shared this on social media and and so many listeners had really kind things to say. I got to see a, a lot of sweet pictures of listeners' pets that they loved who had passed on and uh it was just it was it was really nice. I heard from a lot of our our pals from from this show who who sent me nice notes and stuff. So Thanks for that. And um, I'm going to focus for now on spending more time bothering our other dog, Sissy, <laughs> who really like sort of had escaped it to this point because I was so focused on on Coco. So, yeah. So I, I thanks to everybody has been so kind. And, and most of all, thanks to that. Uh, thanks to that best bud, Coco, because, um, yeah, you know, um, there will never be another one. So thanks, Coco. Okay. We'll talk to you next time on Jordan Jesse Go. I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.